Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Tonight we're going to sh- tonight we are going to show just how you can sack your boss and make money from trading and investing. Now it's the second week of the month and that means we're going to be looking at the sectors and indices in the Australian stock market. We'll also analyze your stocks, answer all of your questions and a whole lot more. Hello and welcome. I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now you'll see again that Janine is not with me as she's still not 100% after coming down with a cold last week and so we decided to let her go home where it's nice and warm but Janine is actually going on long service leave um, from tonight pretty much Um, and so this was another reason why I said just go home, make yourself better and have a good holiday over the next month or two so you will just have to put up with me for the next um, four to eight weeks depending on how long she decides to take um, but when she comes back she'll be fired up and raring to go don't you worry about that and she'll be champing at the bit to really give the you the best analysis and the best of her knowledge experience or her wealth of knowledge and experience so but first up tonight we're going to take a look at the sectors and indices in the Australian stock market and what were they did last month what I think they may do in the coming months and again I did a little recording earlier for you so that uh, I can actually get into the chat and see your questions, have a look at the stocks you want to do or have what you want me to analyze tonight for you. So if you post all your questions, I'm going to start the video up now. Okay, this week being the second week of the month, it really is, as I said, uh, time to get into the sectors and indices on the Australian stock market. And uh, it is quite an interesting week or it's more of a a pivotal couple of weeks on our marketplace because, as I said in... um, my market report yesterday that I put up on YouTube. Right now we are searching for a high which could come earlier or we could already had it and I'll show you that on the on the charts of what I'm talking about in a second um, or it could come in the next four to six weeks but I know in this sort of next month we're going to peak out on our marketplace and then start to go down into a low but uh, I am prepared for this week to be a down week and for it to move up um, into late August and then down into September possibly October but the earlier we have the peak the the earlier the low will happen in this year meaning uh, if we have a peak let's say last week was our peak 
um, we might find the low happens in August rather than in September or October. So, but let's have a look at the charts. Now on your screen right now, I'll just put my glasses on. I've got um, uh, the indices in the Australian stock market or in the Australian market on that left-hand side. So if you look at this down here and you can see this is one month. So this is the current month. This is from 1 July. Um, through to now, and I'll change that in a minute. Um, but you can see here, currently in July, now we've got eight days of data or nine days of data into that, and you can see here how the mid caps is up 2.24%, small ordering is up 1.52%, and obviously the big stocks down the bottom here, 20, the ASX top 20 is only up 0.1. That's because the banks um, were down last week, or they're not doing as well, and obviously. Uh, currently at the moment with the market going down on Monday. This doesn't have Tuesday's data in it at the time of recording. That's still about half an hour away from coming in um, from there. But you can see here that a little bit of a move down. If I now go to the year and see what they're doing for the year, now it changes a little bit. And you're looking at these. This is from 1 January. And you see metals and mining up 25%. That's why the material sector has done really, really well. The move's been in the ASX 50 um, and the top 100, where the mid caps and small ordinaries, those smaller stocks have lagged behind. And when you're looking at the top 20 stocks, they're over half of the all ordinaries index. And so if the index is moving up, that's where you're going to be finding all the great opportunities. Now, this big uh, multicolored chart on the right, I won't explain it. It, it is a relative rotation graph, and please. Uh, it is really highly technical. All I need you to look at here is seeing what's happening in, a, in in the month. And this this is all these movements here is showing the last 10 months. And right now we're seeing here that uh, we're seeing the slowing of that mid cap 50 section and also that small ordinaries over that period of time. And you can see how they've moved from being in this green section, which you can see there's leading and they've been falling away, which is exactly what this is sort of saying, but it's saying where the opportunities now are in these areas, in that top 20, the uh, the top 50, that sort of extra here, the top 100. That's where the opportunities go. So let's go down into the sectors now. And if we look at the sectors, same sort of setup here. But now we've got all the sectors. Now, again, this is for the whole year from one January this year, and I'll look at down to the month in a second, but you can see communication services up 29, infotech up 28, materials up 23, and industrials 20, uh, 20.58 there. The ones that are lagging behind at the moment are 12, uh, uh, consumer staples, utilities, and energy all down around 12% growth for this year, and even consumer discretionary a little bit more. So I would suggest these have been lagging behind. So these may give you the opportunities over the next few months. And that's really what, it's all just swings and roundabouts of movement in price of different areas. So money will move into one area. It starts to move up a bit too fast. So then money moves into another area. So, but looking at our graph over here on the right-hand side, we're seeing here, Financials, that's the area there that's moving into this area. That's where your opportunity is going to be. Utilities are going to be there and also communication services. Even though it's done really, really well, it's still a good area. But look at energy down here. Now that's going to move into this area and become the opportunity. This is where we look at consumer discretionary and that consumer staples. All of those are moving into this area. So that's why I'm suggesting these are going to be that buy coming up or they're going to be opportunities in these sectors. And that's really what I tend to look at when we're looking at the marketplaces, what has been doing well, what hasn't been doing as well, and where momentum is shifting. Because what this graph is showing me is volatility and momentum. Uh, and again, I won't explain it to you because it is a, a quite a technical graph and you won't find them. Um, I don't think you can find these graphs in any other uh, charting package anywhere. I think I think it's only one um, Optima has them. But really, uh, if you don't understand them, they're not... It, 
I don't want to overstate or understate the value of these charts and I don't want to complicate it at this point in time um, I'm reading them for you and as I said just uh, from that point of view um, just take what I'm actually saying at this point in time uh, current week we're looking at consumer staples and consumer discretionary being the, the winners here but looking at this month in which I'll change it to, to July you can see sta consumer staples healthcare and infotech are all up and consumers discretionary are all up whereas materials energy and financials are down that's what I, what I'm saying here is in a little while they'll be the they'll come through and they'll be the opportunities moving forward depending on what happens over the next couple of weeks. Now let's get into, this is the chart that Janine showed you last week, our spaghetti chart. And you can see we also look at that where we're looking at these different sectors in our marketplace and what's actually happening. And we can see a flattening since Janine looked at these uh, last week in consumer uh, communication services, even though it's done really well. Infotech's been a little bit more vertical. Uh, materials has flattened, as you can see. The industrials are looking okay. Healthcare's looking okay. Um, All Ordinaries is just there to give you a comparison. Um, consumer staples there you go look at that one that's the one that's looking good at this point in time financials a bit down and obviously consumer discretion these are the areas where you should be looking for growth right now especially if you're more shorter term trading from there and obviously energy's down a little bit so when this starts to move up uh, when that moves up when up the the financials start to move up and when the materials start to move up then we'll see the whole market move up because when uh, financials and materials move together then we see the market move as a whole or the, the, the whole index move or the S&P 500 stocks in the Aussie market the top 100 top 200 they'll all move because as I said, they, they're most of the top well they're the top 20 there's top 20 is made up of mainly financials and those materials with a few other companies mixed in and as I said that's over half of the whole ordinary's index which is 500 stocks but right now I think the opportunities are more in the bigger stocks rather than the smaller end of town uh, at this point in time but things are looking good on our market and, and one thing I just really did want to say to you um, I'll show you when I'm looking at this point in time and we can see on the screen and I just oops, I clicked on something I shouldn't have clicked on this week so far is down a little bit and that's a little bit of data and I'll, I'll put the go onto the daily chart and you can go and look at my report so this was Monday and we've just got the data now for today so you can see today is a real real short little bar here so I think what we might see this week and I'm not uh, I'm not too surprised we're moving down if we do end up getting a red bar which means it's got to trade below the lower there but that that six six nine nine points so if that does trade below that, we get one bar down. We might see a nice shooting up and having our peak through here. But at this point in time, it does look like we're, um, as I said, we, we're searching for that high somewhere between this sort of area in here or it'll be out into here. So if we go down early, we might go down into this area into through. Um, as you can see, I'll put my uh, little thing on so you can see the dates here. So you can see that's why I'm talking about September. Um, we may get, if we do get the high earlier, it'll come in real early. It might come in even in August, our low. But if our high doesn't come in till roughly somewhere in around August here, the low will come down into this sort of area here. So at this point in time, nothing to worry about. Normal stuff on our marketplace. It is moving quite nicely. I still do expect it to break the all-time high there, which is that line where I've got my pointer on right now. I still expect it to break that in the not-too-distant future. Maybe this week, maybe next week maybe in a month or two, but uh, that's really what I'm talking about now. But let's get back to the show and answer all your questions. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed my little recording there. Now, just uh, I just want to sort of add to a little bit to that. We got a question 
um, on our YouTube channel, I think it was this morning, and it was about sector rotation. Somebody saying about sector rotations and asking about it and how to find the best sector and moving forward, etc. And to me, sector rotation is something that Janine and I don't do. We're traders. We're not Whilst we're fund managers, we're not big fund managers. And sector rotation is really about, um, you see people talk about having a balance out their portfolio and having stocks from each different sector in their portfolio. And Janine and I don't subscribe to that theory. And uh, it's all part of what they call modern portfolio theory. And that's really more for fund managers. And I know it's pushed out in the media and you see it in articles that are written by fund managers or people in the industry saying, you know, you need to do sector rotation and move out of some sectors and go this way or go that way. You need to have a telco. You need to have a bank. You need to have this. You need to have that in your portfolio. Uh, and Janine and I just keep it really, really simple. We buy what goes up, sell what goes down. It's pretty much as simple as that. Because at the end of the day, it's your portfolio and you, you, nobody watching this and not even myself, we don't have a trillion dollars to invest. We just don't. And so therefore we don't need to use some of the techniques that the big end of town do. So keep it really, really simple for yourself in terms of managing your portfolio. I don't mind if I've got two, three, four banks in the portfolio or you know, two or three or four materials companies in the portfolio. As long as they're going up, that's the major point. And, and sometimes people say, well, what's the risk if the banks fall? Well, that, there's no risk if you've got a stop loss or an exit strategy. And the thing is, if something's in profit you can, and you have a stop loss and your stop loss is above the capital or the level that you bought in at, then you will always be selling out as a profit. So to me, that's pretty good. There's not a lot of risk in, involved in that. But we've got a few great people on the the chat tonight and we've got a few new people so welcome to the new people actually so i uh, hope you enjoy tonight's show and you get a lot out of it uh, john grand is even checking in from malaysia so thanks john for taking a, a little bit of time out of your holidays i've been to Penang, love it and the food is good in in malaysia so absolutely we're gonna look at bhp and rio we'll get a couple of other stocks um from there like s32 um, and ALU. But before we do that, I just want to have a little bit of a chat to you. Now, I've not done a poll um, in a couple of weeks or one of my YouTube polls of the viewers of our YouTube channel for about two weeks. So I decided to actually put one up for this week. And my questions or my question this week was, I determine the stocks I buy from. Um, and in that, the results are actually, was actually quite interesting. Actually, both Janine and myself were really surprised about it when we chatted about the results yesterday, because we had 4% say they read chat forums. Um, and I thought that would have been a lot higher, actually. A lot of people that, uh, come to us and tell us, you know, that they're buying and selling. They, they tell us that they've been reading chat forums and getting their tips from chat forums. Uh, 13% say following newspapers. Uh, and TV. Um, again, that's a low figure. Every time I read the ASX uh, shareholder survey, that figure's a hell of a lot higher. Newspapers, TV, that sort of stuff. So um, 4% said watching YouTube. Uh, they get their tips from watching YouTube. 20% said subscribing to tipping newsletters or websites with uh, tips. But here's the big figure, a whopping 58% of people on our YouTube channel answering this survey or this poll said they do all of their own analysis and do not rely on others. Now, to me, this is sort of, it's one of those statistics that you go, wow, you know, 58% said they do it all, but, and they don't rely on others. And, and I said to Janine, I actually don't believe the figure's accurate because it's more of perception is reality. So your perception of what you do is your reality and the percep my perception of what you do 
is or could possibly be a different reality. Um, and to me, anybody who's watching um, or reading somebody else's comments and saying they do their own analysis, what I mean by their own analysis is they do all their own technical and fundamental analysis, they block out the rest of the world and they come to their decision based on only their own input into that analysis. That's what I mean by that. Um, other people go, well, I looked around, I checked a few things, I checked uh, um, saw some stuff here, saw some stuff there, put it all together and decided to buy or sell. Because I think this statistic is actually incongruent with some of the other polls where uh, the, I think it was 62% said they were inconsistent in their selling and, and what they were doing. And a lot of people said they were inconsistent in their trading. Um, so therefore, uh, their analysis in, if they're saying 50%, uh, 58% are saying they don't rely on others, that means what it's saying to me is most people's analysis is flawed and they're flawed in their buy and sell rules. It could be that the tools that they're using um, in terms of their technical analysis tools or their indicators they're using and or their fundamental um, metrics that they're actually using. So it's quite an interesting statistic to me. So um, as I said, uh, it really is. I mean, Janine and I, if, if you stuck us in a room and you just gave us a spreadsheet and the spreadsheet had just the date, the open, the high, the low, the close and volume of any commodity, any currency, any stock, or any tradable instrument anywhere in the world, and you don't tell us what it is, we'll take that spreadsheet, we'll actually give us four pens, you know, blue, red, green um, pens and black pen, and some charting paper, we'll chart it and trade it with all our own analysis, not knowing what it is, and we'll do that quite successfully based on our knowledge, and that's really what Janine and I talk about, is doing your own analysis, is to be able to do that and divorce from all the media and all the news that are around it. But it is quite an interesting um, uh, statistic there. So, But uh, we also got a couple of comments on the poll. And the first one was for, from Ian who said, Dale, historically I would use YouTube to catch up on the market and invariably will get interested to know more about a certain stock that is mentioned. Um, however, I then try to analyze the stock myself before buying. However, I know I need to learn lots more to, to be, he says, to become, trust my analysis, to trust his analysis. So he's getting the, the original um, interest from somewhere else, and then he's trying to apply his own analysis to that. So that's effectively what he's actually saying there. And then uh, the next one we got, the next comment on the poll we had was from, um, I think, Steve Clementos, who said, hi, everyone. Uh, once I realized I did not matter where I got my stock selection from, but how I analyzed what I put in my portfolio and what rules I used to manage them. So I realized that I was the problem, had no idea how to set rules and started the diploma course and what an eye opener it has been so far. And I'm only on module one. Thank you guys. So, I mean, what Steve's actually saying to me really is he was doing what most people do, trying to put some analysis together, thinking he was doing the right thing, but not realizing that he was doing the wrong things or not analyzing properly or using the right tools, right strategies, uh, right trading plan for what he was trying to do. And that was great that he came to that realization. And obviously now with doing in module one of our diploma, which is really just the start of it and scratching the surface, uh, so to speak, he's realizing that uh, there is a hell of a lot more to learn than what he was actually doing. But I thought it was really interesting, that poll. But let's go and have a look at a um, couple of the stocks. Um, so I think it's time to have a look, bit of a look at the chat and, and uh, look at some of the stocks that everyone has asked us to look at for tonight. So first up, we're going to bring up, I think it's one from Jack. He's asked me to have a look at BHP because it's in the top 20 stocks. And I know somebody else 
ask me about BHP. So let's bring up the chart. I'll put my glasses on and we'll get stuck into some charts at this point in time. So let me bring up BHP and we'll do Rio next because obviously they're in the same sector and somebody else was asking about Rio and I'm not sure who it was again. Um, where is it? I, I can't see it anyway, but we'll figure it out. Um, who's asked me for Rio, but BHP material sector, as you saw a little bit earlier, the material sector is a tiny little bit down uh, at this point in time, but it is one of those sectors that I really like moving forward. And I do say, and Janine and I constantly say when the material sector and the finance sector are moving together, that's when the market moves. Now, interesting thing here with BHP, if we look at the whole history of the BHP, we had this big, big double top up here at $45.30 and $45.13. So a big double top here, fell out of bed, and now it's moving up. Now, BHP generally has moves every four to five years from low to low. So it is moving up quite nicely. Beautiful uptrend um, here. So if I use my little tools here, um, I think I want to use that one there. Let me go onto there. So you can see here, this current month is 42 bars or 42 months since the low. So when you're looking at moves, stocks move from a low to a high to a low, from a low to a high to a low, from a low to a high to a low, from a low to a high to a low, from a low to a high to a low. So it keeps moving. And so each one of those I've measured is different length in time. Well, those, each one of those I've pointed to is different lengths in time. So you can have a big one, low to a high to a low, or short ones, low to a high to a low. Each one of those is really, really important to us in trading in terms of price pattern and time. Now, right now, I roughly know BHP has a low roughly every 60 months, which is about five years. So if I put a little uh, move on here and put my, sorry, I'll go back to my tool and go from here and I draw it out and I go to 60, you can see 60 bars, and I'll just bring that here, takes us through to January 2021. Now, BHP has got to make a high and then come down into a low into there. So I still think BHP has got more to move uh, from first, first part. So I think it is a very good stock. I do think materials have got more to move as well, or both of that. And I do think BHP, it's not going to be too long before it starts breaking that 45.13 area, because I think it will break through those areas before it comes down into that low. But it has had a beautiful run right up now. So at this point in time, you can see this week so far, we've had it gap down and open and trade a little bit higher today. So if I go to today's bar, you'll see this. Uh, right at now, at this point in time, I think BHP probably will end up the week a little bit lower. It already is lower, but I think we might see a little bit more bearishness and coming down a little bit more before going up again. But otherwise, I actually do like the stock. I think it looks really, really good medium to longer term. Um, but again, realizing that it's big. Uh, basically two thirds of the way through its movement from low to low, if that makes sense to everybody from there. As I said, I'm trying to make it a little bit higher level, a little bit simpler for everybody, but just knowing how we look at it. Because Janine and I don't buy and hold. The long trade for us, Janine and I, a long trade for us is 18 months. That's a really long trade. Averaging sort of nine to 13 months-ish in that sort of bracket, our medium term trade. So what we're looking at here is to get in stocks in the nice movements in between, not getting in right at the very bottom, but not trying to get out at the very top. A lot of people try and do that and you'll see people going, well, what prices are gonna hit? And all they try and bottom pick or buy cheap is what we talk about or what I talk about in my book. And anybody who tries to bottom pick 
gets it wrong most of the time, and you're getting in a low probability area. So trying to pick a stock right at the bottom or right at the top is fraught with danger, but that's what most people are trying to do. What Janine and I try and do is take tackle the middle part where we know it's moving in a direction, so it's moving up or it's moving down, and then we make our move and make our decision whether that's to enter or to exit. So that's where we talk about buying confirmation, not speculation. Quickly looking at Rio, and again, we're seeing this nice move up. Now, Rio is a little bit different in than, than BHP. You can see it's had that big high back here in May 2008. If you look at BHP, it had that big high in April 2008, but it touched up in April 2011, um, but it didn't quite break through. But going back to Rio, it's only had the one big high here, had a nice big move, and now it's moving up. And if I put my same tool on this, and you see Rio's lagging behind a little bit here, and you can see it's only 41 bars from Rio. Now still again, so that's roughly about 19 months to make a high and then move into another low, because roughly BHP and Rio run on the same cycles. But I think Rio's a little bit holding, it's been held back a little bit more. So I think there's probably a little bit more upside in Rio other than VHP. Now I'm not sure whether who the people that are asked for these two stocks actually um, own them or not. But right now I think Rio does look good. I think VHP does look also quite good. And they're both in uptrends. And they're both likely to continue those uptrends and move higher. And I think you're going to see that over the coming months through to the end of this year. But would I buy today? No, I'm not going to be buying Rio today. Uh, right now, I'd need to see a little bit more signs to say it's time to enter. Um, but if you're a long-term buy and hold person, again, long-term buy and hold gets you average returns. You know, if you just buy and hold the top 10 stocks on the market, and these two are in that, um, you'll average somewhere between 8 and 15% per annum. Some, some years you'll make 20%, sometimes you make more, other times you'll make less or you'll be negative. But over a 10-year period, you'll make somewhere between 8 and 15% per annum, depending on the makeup there. That's pretty much average of what you will actually do. But when you buy and hold, you're going to take some of these dips. And that what we, Janine and I talk about, and what I definitely talk about in my book, is to exit stuff that's going down to protect yourself. And what actually happens is when a market or a stock goes down and you're out of it, then you're selling at a higher price and you can come back in at a lower price and compound your returns. And when you compound your returns, that allows you, when the market is rising, to go streets ahead of the market. For example, we were looking at returns on um, industry super funds the other day and looking at what Janine uh, does with our managed portfolio services. She, whilst I'm in charge of it and I sign off on every trade, Janine basically runs the whole show. Um, I'll be running it while she's away. But basically what I'm going to say is, with the industry super funds, what Janine's been getting with our, our managed account service is pretty much double what the industry super funds are getting. And we can't understand, people often say to us, I'm going to go to an industry super fund because it's cheaper in fees. And to me, fees are only relevant to the returns. If you pay low fees, you're going to get low returns. So I know I was saying to somebody the other day, I said, I'd rather pay 10% in fees to make a 20% return or 30% return rather than paying 1% fee and get a 5% return. And I don't know about you, but that's really my thinking um, in terms of that. So, and all too often we're focused on fees rather than outcomes. Um, and so industry super funds are sort of that default where they get a lot of money by default and they're getting really, really big, which means they're very slow to move. So you're never going to get outstanding returns. And most people ask us for outstanding returns or returns above the market average, but it really is up to yourself what you do. Um, let's go on to, we've done BHP and Rio now. We've got, uh, here's a, uh, what's the, RB's asked about 
um, SYR and new farms. Now, you asked about um, SYR last week, so I'm not going to spend any time on this. I, I still got the same opinion on that. So if you, you go back and watch last week's show, my opinion's not changing at this point in time. I believe, Kitson, you've asked for it two, two weeks in a row. That means you must own it and you've been holding it for quite some time. And as I said, I don't like this stock, um, but I will have a look at new farm. Another stock that's been trending down big time since May there. We're up at 10 dollars and three big uh, still in a technical bearish move and you can see here it's all-time highs way back here uh, back in may 2008 so right now it doesn't look great i'm actually surprised it hasn't broken through these sorts of levels at the moment down here um, down that 295 but right now it is more bearish um, in nature we've got part of a month up which is only a couple of weeks it'll be interesting to see what it does right now in terms of we had one, two, three, four weeks up and it's coming down. If this has more red bars, then I would suggest it's going to go through that level there at 361 in the not too distant future. Because here we've got one, two, three, four and a bit bars. It's doing almost the same thing again. Here we've got one, two, three, four bars and bang out of bed again. So it may be doing exactly the same thing. I won't get excited about this stock if we get a, a red uh, bar or a downward week here or next week and it starts to turn up. Uh, and making a higher low than that one at 361. Up until that point, I'm not even going to get mildly excited about this. In fact, I'd be the opposite. Right now, I'm still way on the bearish side of this sort of stuff. And again, um, I'm not sure whether you own it or you don't own it, um, RB. But uh, if you do and you've held it for a long time, then you need some rules around exiting stocks. Because um, holding these sorts of stocks as they're falling away for um, months and years really affects your psychology and it seriously affects your ability to profit from your portfolio. So right now, so if you're not in it, I wouldn't be getting into it. And if you're in it, I'm not sure why you're still in it. Yeah, have a read of my book. Uh, if you haven't already read my book, it will keep you out of getting stuck in stocks like this. So what we need to do now is um, over the, I'm going to have a little bit of a chat uh, about the, I've got our, oh, okay, know what I've got to them. Just looking at my next section we've got to go to. So but over the last two weeks, we've talked about um, Forex trading versus stocks. We've also chatted about daily versus weekly charts. And last show we were on, we chatted about, or we also chatted about uh, how to generate $50,000 income per annum. Now, Janine and I chatted about that. So now the topic for tonight's show, what we decided to do is really putting all that together and showing you, showing you how everyone can sack their boss. And yeah, I did say that you can sack your boss. And I did say to Janine, uh, if she was going to be on tonight, you're not allowed to say, yes, I want to sack my boss. Uh, I think Janine sacked me about three or four times. She said, boss, you're sacked. Um, but uh, Janine's been with me now for, I think, 16 years, 15, 16 years. And so uh, it's going to be a big... Uh, uh, a lonely time over the next uh, period of time while she's on long service leave. It's the longest time uh, that I think I've been without Janine. So as I said to her, the show's always better when she's on. But uh, let's get on to tonight's subject. But now all too often, those looking to trade full time think that they need to, to sit on their PC all day long and derive a weekly salary from their trading. Man, what I mean by that is they think they've got to make $300 a day, $100 a day, $500 a day, $500 a week, $1,000 a week. And they've got to do that every single week. And that is not full-time trading. That's creating a job or J-O-B. And J-O-B means journey of the broke or just over broke. Um, and as you heard me talk about last week, too many people are trying to trade all day long or into the evening because um, somebody's, you know, somebody said to me, their mate, 
um, wants to trade the FX market because it trades 24 hours a day. Well, big deal. Uh, some people say to me, oh, I want to trade overseas markets because Australia is only 2% of the world markets. Big deal. It's not really a reason to do any of these markets. It's about making money and how do you make the money with the lowest amount of risk and putting the money in your bank account. And today, uh, Janine was chatting to a lady who's uh, one of her best friends has had a huge meltdown um, on the market and lost his money. And uh, she was chatting to this person on the phone and she was saying, how do I help this guy? He's melted down on the stock market. And he was looking at trading other people's money and and having investors come on in and had this big meltdown. And Janine said, well, that happens, you know, because you get a lot of people think they know what they're doing. So then they take it to that next level. And then the market really tells them how much they need or how much they know, because the market really doesn't care how much you know or how much you don't know. It just does what it does. And it'll take your money if you don't respect it. So trading is not about sitting on your PC all day long. Uh, as I said last week, most people end up with earn more money at McDonald's. Um, so, but uh, however, this not need be the case. And in fact, this preferable, it's, it really isn't the case. So to me, it's about having the right strategy. So let's bring up my, I'm going to bring up my slides for the night and we can talk about the process. So I'll just bring it up here on here and just whack it onto my slides. Actually, that's, I um, started with the wrong slide, actually. Let me go to the start of the presentation, guys. So to me, it's really about the strategy. So you've got slide one is really on the screen right now, and we can see what we're looking to achieve as far as our strategy. And all too often, people don't go in with a strategy, and they also say, you know, if you pl fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that's how a lot of people hit the market and investing in general. They sort of fall into it. So in simple terms, what you need to achieve and what we're seeing there is multiple streams of income from various areas, such as superannuation, investment property, um, dividend in income, capital gains from medium to longer term shares. And also we've got on there cash flow from short term trading. So what we teach our students through our diploma and our other courses is most of their money will be from their medium to longer term trading and some of it will come from that short term strategy that just little cash flow type of strategy now i've listed in this strategy an income stream and that could be your job right now if you have a job it could be a business that you have or other source of income and the idea is to have this either reduce as other areas on that uh, on on all in those other circles increase so or to come from passive sources rather than active so that income stream comes from passive sources such as dividend income those sorts of things so you want to get a lot of income coming from passive sources so let's on on to the next slide and what we're seeing here is in my book I was talking about I showed people about the three laws of wealth creation, which are spend less than you earn, invest your surplus wisely, and then leave it alone so it grows. So let's have a look at some of this in action. Now, what I'm showing you here is an example from um, ASIC's Money Smart website, and it's a compound interest calculator, basically. I go in here all of the time and have a look at different scenarios, etc. that what I'm trying to do. Now here you see that if you start with $5,000, and I've just used 5,000, it could be 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is, whatever you choose to start off with, but just $5,000 and you add $436 a month to that $5,000 and you do that over 10 years and you achieve a 10% compounded return on that, that, that money over that 10 years and we end up with $96,353. So 
looking at the next slide, so if we're if we know we start, sorry, if we know that if we start with five thousand and we add four hundred and thirty-six dollars each month to our capital, and we average a ten percent return over ten years, and our capital is ninety-six thousand three hundred and fifty-three dollars. Well, what we know is if we can average a ten percent return consistently. Now, remember, I said I show you in my book we do better than that, but if we can average a ten percent return consistently, we can leverage ten to one and in turn accelerate the growth of our capital to $960,353 over 10 years. Now, as I mentioned in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, we made over 12% compounded return over, oh, it says uh, over 10 years. Um, and we did that in the worst time in the stock market in my whole life. That included the GFC. So we can get 10% or 12% compounded return over 10 years um, in my book in the worst time. Generally, we'd be able to make a compounded return of at least uh, 15 to 20% plus. So getting a 10% return is something that we can actually do. So how can we do that? Well, it's really what we do is now use leverage. And we talked a bit about this in the terms of FX versus stock, and we talked about it in how to get $50,000 income. Um, and to me, if you're looking at getting $960,000 over 10 years with a 10 to 1, you don't need to get too far down the track before you can start saying to your boss, think I'm moving on. So how do we leverage? Well, you can use borrowed money, and that's really what it is. And there's multiple different ways of using borrowed money, such as a line of credit or a margin loan. We can also use things such as trading derivative products and such as CFDs, options, warrants. Uh, this is all where the foreign exchange comes into it. All those ones where you're putting up a margin and you're trading leverage. Like you can do CFDs on a margin of 1% or 5, uh, five to 1, 10 to 1. Options are a little bit different again. Options and warrants are a little bit different again. And obviously foreign exchange we traded a little bit last week. So if you haven't seen that one, go back to that one. We can also trade leverage markets such as commodities uh, as well. So there are also futures, different types of futures markets we can actually trade as well. So there's lots of different ways to get that. But as I said, the first slide where it talks about the plan is really, really where you need to be in talking about, well, how do I achieve success? How do I sack the boss? And what you need to do is start with the plan saying, well, how much income do I need to get? on a regular basis that I can then tell the boss to go. So if your goal is $50,000 or $100,000 income in year, you, and let's say you average 5% return and you want to make $50,000 a year, that means you've got to have a million dollars. But if you average a 10% return, that means you've got to have half a million dollars invested and you, and you get that 10% return, $500,000, means you make $50,000. So there's just having that plan and process in the first place. But many, many, many students that uh, we've taught or Jenny and I have mentored in trading have sacked their boss. And believe me, they have. And they ring me up and say, hey, I've sacked my boss. I'm retiring. I'm doing this. Uh, some people just pull back. They, they do in consulting work. Some people just do one or two days a week. So they keep their hand into things. But lastly, I just wanted to share with you uh, a saying. And the saying is the secret to success of every man who has ever been successful lies in the fact that he formed the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. And this is from Albert Ian Gray. So you can actually just Google this uh, yourself if you if you like. And uh, Albert Ian Gray was quite, uh, is quite uh, I say profound statement. And we find that's the case with people we're teaching to trade is the ones who do what everybody else doesn't do. They're the ones that make it. And there's an old saying that I um, got uh, introduced to, I think, when I was about 19. At the, his, the person said to me, Dale, do what uh, if you do what others don't, today, you can play where others can't. 
tomorrow. And most people, when they and they start talking to us about our courses, they'll go, oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I don't have the money. Oh, your courses are too expensive. And they make the biggest excuses. And the excuses are time and money all of the time. But how important is it to you? Now, to me, people that make excuses, uh, I actually say to them, I said, do you actually understand what an excuse is? And most say, no, Dale, I don't really know what an excuse is. An excuse is a lie covered with the skin of reason. When something's important enough, you just do it regardless of the time it takes or the money it takes. So it's really up to you about what you want to do. But I think it's about time we got into more stocks for everybody. So let's get back onto the charts and I'll bring that up myself. I'll just get rid of this and I'll have a look at what else we've actually got here. I'll put my glasses on so I know what I'm doing. Um, we've got, um, um, we've had a look at that. I'm going to have a look at gold because John actually mentioned he's got a question here. He says, where is it, John? Um, I feel we good. Do you think gold stocks are due for a run up? Now, I don't look at the market like that, John. To me, it's about what's going up, what's coming down. That's pretty much what it is. I don't care what sector they're in or what gold's doing and everything else. I know some people do have, um, how do I say it? They have a love for a sector and you know, thing because they've worked in an industry like we do get miners that love gold or silver or diamonds or oil or whatever it is because they work for a company. Uh, and we do have people that have um, their, their, their metallurgists, those sorts of people who understand some of the technical um, aspects of that industry so they can make better, more informed decisions. But as a trader and a fund manager, I don't necessarily look at that sort of side of things. I'm really looking about what's moving, what's going up, what's going down, where we can take opportunities for our clients so but I've got gold up there on the screen so they've got the gold futures up there and gold does look a little bit bearish it's been moving up so you would assume that if gold is moving up some of the gold stocks uh, might be moving up with all of that and gold's now breaking above this resistance level at 1377 there and moving moving up at the moment I'd expect it might come down for a week or two uh, maybe another week from here maybe two weeks and start to move up so I would have a look at the gold stocks most definitely John but uh, um, I wouldn't necessarily only look at those stocks. And I'm not, and that's not what you're saying to me anyway. So um, next we've got um, Tim Smythe. He says, first live show for me. Well, welcome, Tim. Um, hope you're enjoying the show. He said, can you please look at ALU and S32 for me? I hold them. So here's ALU. So we'll have a bit of a look at that. So Altium. And let's bring that up. It's been looking quite good, hasn't it? It's gone very, very vertical um, since it's been on the marketplace there. Um, very, very strong rise at the moment. It does look like it's finding a little bit of resistance here. And obviously um, he does buy them and I'm not sure. He said owns them, sorry. Um, but I'm not sure how much he's, um, uh, when he bought them or where, where he bought them. And I don't necessarily need to know that at this point in time. I'm just putting a little bit of work onto here and let's have a look at some of this sort of stuff. There we go. Let me get rid of that. Yeah, but look, there may be there may be a little bit more upside into that thirty-seven to forty-dollar bracket, but I think um, it's not going to be too much. I think we're seeing this vertical run, and when you look at this, if we go back in history, you can see the runs this thing's made. It does do some vertical runs before it goes, and I'd need to do a little bit more analysis on here for it. But when it runs pretty hard, one, two, three, four months, five months up, um, comes back. Um, one, three, four months pretty hard and comes back. So here with one, two, three months and it's come back a little bit. So I'd be interesting to see what it does over the rest of this month um, over the next few weeks. But it does look like it's getting some resistance around here, although that's unconfirmed. 
Um, so we might get one or two weeks down and move up. If it breaks through that, then I would expect maybe it will go to that sort of 37 to $40 bracket, dollar bracket, but I don't think it might go any further than that. So I'd be probably, what I would be doing, um, Tim, is putting a stop loss underneath it. Now, where would you put your stop loss? Um, if you don't have solid technical rules around all of uh, that where you run your stop losses, all I would be doing is setting a stop loss at 15% below a recent high. That's plenty of time for this thing to move from there. So what I mean by that is if I get into my, where's my price tools? Where'd they go? It must be somewhere. There we are. Um, oh, click. There we go. There we go. Stick it on here and I'll just draw it down. So you can see how big that move is. Yeah. So 15% would put us at around about, oh, keep going a bit further than that. Just a little bit further. It'd be around that 30 odd dollar mark-ish, if you know what I mean there, in that sort of bracket there. So I'd put a stop loss under there and just get out if it hits that sort of area, if you don't have highly technical skills at this point in time. But um, it is looking really, really good. Now we need to go and look at S32. It's got to take a glass of water. S32, um, again, nice looking stocks, S32 in terms of here. It's been a big consolidation, but it does look more bearish now. So in terms of that, so you've had this beautiful, beautiful move up. It has fallen away a little bit. So if you, let's put here, see, see if you use the 15% stop loss rule, you probably, let me get rid of the lock here. You would have been exited at around about this sort of level here at around 360-ish market here now again i only use that rule on on good stocks and i only it's only more of a rule for investors rather than traders people who are technically proficient don't use that rule um, but it's a real simple rule that people that are new to the market can use and i talk about it in my book but our traders we would have been out of this stock our traders would have been in our, out of this stock about in in this sort of area here in terms of technically that would have told us to exit that stock um but uh it would have been we would have been out for probably nearly nearly 12 months and trading something else and this is where a lot of people get caught in this sideways move and right now this looks more bearish and it looks like it's high probability of dropping through that three dollar mark so to me i'd be looking if i was you i'd be looking at setting whatever stop loss that i want on to do on that and again i don't understand your portfolio and i don't understand what your outlook is and this is really important about context and content what's the difference so when we're talking about portfolio construction what is it that you're trying to do with your portfolio you may be a long-term buy and hold person and therefore looking at a stock like this it may have some fantastic fundamentals uh, and you might be saying well okay i'm okay for it to fall 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 percent because it'll rise up over the next two three years to get my goals for my portfolio if you're a short-term trader different type scenarios if you're more medium-term trader it's a different scenario again and there's different rules around different portfolio styles and again without banging the drum i talk about all of that in my book accelerate your wealth so for 30 bucks it's the best investment you're ever going to make to understand why you're getting in why you're getting out how you're managing the trades how you construct your portfolios what stocks you should put in different styles of portfolio because all too often we find people put the wrong style of stocks in the wrong portfolio style to suit the goals of what the person wants to achieve and that only causes a lot more stress because things are incongruent and it's like having um, you know, on the car, if you've got two flat tires on your car, um, yeah, and they're both on opposite corners, then you're going to get a car that goes frog legs around and runs like a crab. So you're not going to drive it very, very well. So it's about having a nice 
properly weighted and balanced portfolio that suits the gold that you actually want. But right now, um, as I said, ALU, hang on to it, um, but have a stop loss on it and look at whatever exit strategy you want to have on S32. But thanks for joining our show and, and thanks for giving me a question. Um, where are we going? Let's go, uh, Francois, Francois Grobler. I haven't heard from you, but welcome. He says, hi, everybody. Um, Shane says, g'day, Dale and Janine. Jack, um, sorry, Jack says, can you, what do you think of minerals? We did look at BHP in Rio, um, for there. So, but great Rio, we're looking at, what do you think of minerals, materials? Same answer that I have with gold. I think materials are fine. I think longer term at the moment, medium to longer term, they're okay. So from that point of view, but I, I really don't have much more to say on materials other than that, but I do like them. Uh, Michael Gardner, hi Dale, great show. Any thoughts on Borrell and Flights in it? Both seem to be moving up and have attractive dividends. So let's bring those up. So we've got BLD and I'll do that. And I have a look at a couple of others while we've got here. We've got about 12 or 15 minutes left roughly. Um, FLT, Flight Center. Um, I'll have a bit of a look at that. Um, so we've got Kurt says, where do you think the bottom of the current pullback will be wanting a buying opportunity? Um, when you're looking at the market, it's the pullback on the market. It's not relevant to what you're buying. It really isn't. And too many people put too much weight on the actual market to tell them when to buy and sell. I buy stocks even if the market's falling. So it's not really about finding the bottom of the market. It's about, I've got to get my earpiece working again. Um, it's about finding the stocks that you want and looking for stocks to buy. So at this point in time, I think the market's bullish. We might have a one or two week pullback. Um, but at the end of this week, I'll be able to gauge that a little bit better. But I do think our market is searching for a high, but I'm not too worried about that. Um, I'm not sure what Stephen Knott says. I use TradingView. Um, it's great. Not sure what that means. He mentions a BHP again. Greg says, I'm looking at Origin to buy. Have purchased before and sold on on slight up a few times. Do you th What do you think? Or should I hold it more longer term? A lot of people that um, buy and sell really short term really do themselves an injustice. And I'll have a look at Origin for you, mate, in a second, Greg. Um... John Huang, agree. Average investors who try to do a lot of trading online and make their brokers rich, correct? Uh, Nelson asking about APX, so I'll have a look at that as well. So I'll put that in there and we'll look at the stocks now um, rather than me talking. But thanks for everybody for all your stuff on here. So let's go into here and I'll bring those up. And what I mean by that is um, in terms of um, we're talking about Origin Energy. I had somebody uh, who's on our trading mentor program who's, um, I think, halfway or two-thirds of the way through our trading mentor program today. And he'd been trading um, a more of a mining stock, a lower-cap mining stock, and trading it really, really short-term. And he'd made 50% in the last 12 months on that, just on almost no rules, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of context, again, in my terms of rules and his terms of rules, I say he's got very few rules or no rules, and he was thinking he was buying and selling on rules. But when we got down into it, he realized he was more guessing. He sent me an email today because I said to him, well, what you're doing, don't count what you did, even though you made 50%. Um, he was tra he, I think he traded it about... Uh, in the last six months, he's traded about eight or 12 times in the last six months. So I said, you can't be trading on proper rules on this. And he says, well, I made 50%. I said, but don't necessarily celebrate that because it's not good trading. But what he actually did say to me, he said, now that I've done your in th done a lot of your trading mentor course, I realized that if I'd followed the strategy in the trading mentor course, I would have made a lot more money. 
And that's the point is a lot of people think they're making money, but how much money are you leaving on the table and how much is that actually costing you? Um, and so that's really important. A lot of people have lots of losses or they have those losses well on those stocks that keep falling away. And we saw that on some of those earlier stocks like SYR and New Farm. People holding those for a long period of time are losing dollars all the time. And you'll see those put those stocks in those port, in your portfolio dragging down your overall returns. Just get rid of them. Get stocks that are going up. But some people are making money thinking they're making money, but it's more guesswork than good trading. And that's what I said to that person. Good trading is having a solid plan and a process and sticking to that, not guessing about where you're going to get out. So let's have a look at Appen um, on the screen. And right now it looks quite bullish as well. It looks very, very nice, actually. A um, little bit of indecision here, but I'm not too worried about that, looking at this whole mover. Quite vertical through here. And if I look, put my trend line on here, you'll see the momentum on this from here up to here is quite strong, especially through here. And what you're seeing here is if I grab this and move it, you can see the mom is, is quite fast, the momentum, because the angle there is nowhere near as steep as that angle there. And again, what you see is a lot of people, and the angle there is completely different again. So this is the fastest it's ever traveled based on data going back to 2015, massive. So you think it's gonna slow down anyway. So right at this point in time, my guess would be, um, looking at this weekly chart, we may see a couple of weeks down to come back to its average, um, uh, what they call average momentum. So if we look at this and I just drag this across here, we might see, you can see here, it traded along this line through here. And if I just sharpen that, you might see it comes back into this sort of realms around that $22, $24 to go back to its average momentum. And what I mean by here is that as human beings, we have an average speed that we travel. Like we get up roughly the same time every morning. You know, I could, once I, I can follow you around for two weeks and know what you're doing in the next two weeks or in the next two months with high probability what you're doing. And stocks are no difference because they're traded by us and they're traded by institutions and individuals. And we get into certain habits and ways of doing things that create patterns on those charts for us. So we come back to our momentum. So while we may overshoot that for a period of time, we also come back to it. So I'm thinking this may come back into this sort of area, but it's not confirmed right now. If we get some more strength this uh, this month and over the next few weeks, it might be a little bit more delayed. Um, but right now, I think it's starting to tip over in its momentum. Um, but it is looking really, really good. So let's get on to, we look at, um, we wanted to look at Origin and we want to also get a Borrow and Flight Center in a minute as well. So we've got those two as well. So Origin Energy, again, looking quite nice through here. It's moved up beautifully from this low back here in December, right through with the rest of the market up here into late May. It's come back early than the rest of the market. Now, if we look at the monthly chart, you'll see here that it had its all-time high back through here. But trading using some really good rules, a lot of people, as I said, they trade in and out of stocks because they're afraid of losing the profit that they've made. They get in and they see it make a bit of a profit, 5%, sometimes 10%, and they just jump out. But what they're missing is that next 5 and 10 and 15%, which is no risk. And what I mean by that, for, for example, let's say you buy in here on this bar here, let's for say at $6.10. And now the stock is up around here at $9.78. So you bought in at 16, it's now 9.78. You made roughly 50% on your money. Now, some people go, wow, that's more than I need. Um, so I'll get out of this now. But what they're doing is they're going out of a stock that they know is going up only to get into one that they don't know is going up. And that's how most people trade. But what most people do is if I, if I say a lot of people do here, if they might get in here, they'll sell out around about here. 
So they'll sell out around 10 to 15%. And all of a sudden, they've had this stock that's starting to move and really showing signs it's bullish. And they jump out only to miss most of this sort of stuff. Or they'll wait for this to happen and get up to here. Then they'll buy in again somewhere around here. And they see it drop away and it comes back. And then they make another 10% from, let's say, here. And they get at it around here. And then they miss it. And then it goes down again and they miss it all. And so what we're seeing is they're jumping in and out, making brokers more rich than themselves when they could have just traded once, so trading less, and made somewhere in about 50% instead of two lots of 20%. That's what I was saying about that gentleman earlier. Now, this is a real, I'm not even giving you a, a fantastic example here, but I think the words I'm saying behind it, um, not actually giving you a, a, a proper example, if that makes sense. But what this gentleman's found is he's going to trade less and make more money. And that's what I was saying the other week when we're talking a bit about FX trading and daily charts versus weekly charts. The best traders trade the least amount of times. And the best traders that make the most amount of money trade anywhere between 10 and 20 times a year, not 10 and 20 times a week or 10 and 20 times a month. Those people that trade those sorts of volumes in terms of numbers of trades make brokers pretty rich. And... As I was saying last week, they would make more money working at McDonald's or their hourly wage would be better at McDonald's. So let's now go and look at Borrell and um, Flight Center for, I've forgotten who it is, but uh, you know who you are. Um, so oh yeah, Michael Gardner. Now let's bring that up. Borrell's been a little bit bearish here and uh, you can see here it moved quite up near its all-time high, which is 820 back from there and it got right up to 822 well, not way 20 sorry it's all-time high is 851 so it couldn't get through and it's had a big move down but right now i wouldn't be too worried about it borrow tends to do that it moves up and down it's a little bit more volatile than everything else but it does look like it's starting a new longer term uptrend and if we look from this move from here to it's high up there there's nearly 200 percent between june june 2012 um, and February 2018, so that's six years it did beautifully well. So, And it's fallen nice, deep fall here. So looking at this at this point in time, we had one, two, three, four, we're in month four. So I don't think it's necessarily um, falling away. This is looking really, really good to me. So I think it's more upside on Borrell. I think you probably got another at least 10 or 20, 30% before it starts to fall away, but it does look quite nice. Uh, in terms of that flight center, another one here, very deep fall. And that's really interesting here. But uh, it, as, again, flight centers are very, very volatile. Oh, sorry, not a vol very volatile stock. You can see it runs when it runs and it has big, deep moves when it actually does move the opposite way. But I think flight center is very interesting right now. I think if you get flight center and it goes through that 4428, if you get to 4430, um, I think then it's on its way to a nice bullish move that could make 10, 20, 30% over the coming months through into, you know, into the end of this year. Now, um, I've got another question from, the next one was from Brad Mays. Hi Dale, what are your thoughts on charting software? Um, I know you use Optima thoughts for a new trader. I don't believe Westpac charting software is not enough for me. Westpac doesn't do charting software, they do a platform and we talk about this pretty much almost not every second week. Um, and if you only have to go back to a couple of shows and when I talk a bit about charting software and platforms, no broker provides charting software. They provide a platform and that's, you know, really what they do. Um, if you're a new trader, Optimo is overkill for you. It's what I use and what good traders use. You need to be trained in the techniques. Otherwise, it's a lot of money for not a lot of understanding. Um, unless you understand price pattern and in trying to apply the rules and tools. we For those people starting our diploma course, we include Optima in 
in their in their tuition fee, we just give that to them uh, and we buy that for them as a nice little present. It's not part of the tuition fee, we just give it to you. So, But the point right now is you need to learn how to trade and the tradesman doesn't buy the tools before they learn how to do the job first. So right now, Westpac's fine for beginner traders and so all the big four bank platforms are fine just for beginner traders, but they're not really ones that I would use as a trader, uh, if that makes sense. Um, we talked about that, we talked about that. Um, um, any thoughts on Bubs? Um, Slick. Oh, well, I haven't heard your name before, so um, have a look. I think we did Slick at uh, Bubs a couple of weeks ago, but we did a bit more of a, a look there. But Bubs is looking pretty terrible, and I think a lot of these sorts of stocks um, are. It's a lot more illiquid than A2 Milk and Balamese at this point in time. I don't like it at this point in time. Um, and I think there's some more downside to happen on Bubs, but uh, you don't know. Um, we've got um, Exor, Ecorsos, looking at ABC. I'll just have a quick look at that before we wrap up. Um, just trying to get into the last, um, I would say this is bearish, matey, just on a quick look on that. Um, I think it's going down at this point in time, so I wouldn't really be looking at, um, and I agree with Ben Youngman down there, his flight center is great. I think that's a better option for your flight center than um, ABC, so I'm not sure why you'd be looking at that one. Um, how many green says do you use planet with stocks at all? I'm not, uh, I think you mean, um, um, the planets I'm talking about astrology and everything else. Um, um, geez, how do I answer that one? It's a really good question. And the answer is yes, but it's, it's contextual again. So I'm not even going to get into that. Um, but pretty much I use a lot of really, really solid technical analysis rules and tools. Uh, the only reason you would use that in timing and it's only just part of timing analysis. And it really is if, if you're looking at really, um, heavy trading in FX, that sort of stuff. Otherwise I, I don't use just buying stocks. I don't use any of that sort of stuff. It's, it's a lot simpler. Keep it really, really simple. But, uh, that really does bring us to the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it, even though Janine hasn't been on for the second week in a row. But, uh, as I said, you've got me again. So I hope, uh, you really have enjoyed tonight's show and thanks for participating and asking me some of those free awesome questions. So thank you very much for that. If you'd like to see the show grow, then remember to share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues. And, you know, there's a lot more things that I want to do, but we need, do need the show to grow. Um, and if it's growing, then I'm quite happy to put the money into it to make it bigger and better and uh, a lot more information for you guys. But uh, when you do share it with your friends and colleagues, you'll be helping somebody else out. And at the same time, the more people that join, the more we can share with you. And this means everybody learns a hell of a lot more. So also make sure you put this show into your calendar for next week. So you're back online next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Um, but if you can't be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them through to info at wealthwithin.com.au and you need to remember to type in Wealth Within Live in the subject line and give me some detail. Some people just go blur and there's no detail in there at all and I'm not a mind reader about what some people want um, but you do need to put in some detail in there and tell me what you're wanting in the questions so make my job a little bit easier but uh, that really does bring us to the end of the show. We hope you, uh, hope everyone has enjoyed it as much as I have in presenting it for you. I love doing these Tuesday night shows. And as always, thank you for taking part. We'll see you again next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. But for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com. And click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.